really a selfless position. Uh, you know, fullback, it's, it's all dirty work. I mean, there's no real glory, and he's not really getting the ball in carries. And, you know, not, I, threw it, I definitely throw it to him. Um, but being a lead blocker really sets the tone for, uh, for the offense. It's a very valuable position, and uh, anyone that can create holes and that physical style of toughness in the run game is really important for us. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Kyle Hey everybody, and welcome to episode number 55, Double Nickel, of the Rotor Street Journal's Fantasy Fullback Dive. I usually say I brought to you by the good people at the Rotor Street Journal second. I don't know, I got a little mixed up there. But anyway, you got all the pertinent information. I, of course, and Nat the Truth Jones with me as always, the wolf of Rotor Street himself, who uh, might be suffering at least in a couple minutes from a pretty nasty case of the meat sweats. How you doing, wolf? I know. I feel like every time we go on air, I'm like in the midst of housing, like either like a three pound burrito or this time it was a massive steak and cheese, extra cheese from Super Sub. So I'm definitely going to be getting similar to our, our good buddy, the meat sweats. Some um, mid episode drips will be coming down today. Uh, it's actually hilarious. Last time I saw him, he was at Fibber's, not for the event, which went unbelievable, by the way. So coming off a good event at Fibber's. Thanks again, guys, for hosting us there. We really appreciate it. Um, but I saw I walked in on Thursday to just get some wings and as I was walking in, he was mid-texting me saying, I've got some real heavy perspiration down at Fibbers if you want to come join me. As I like walked into the door, he said it was like a, a light kind of shined, and I like walked in and made a grand entrance. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> but as he was texting me that, I walked in. So pretty hilarious running into the meat sweats in that, that fashion. And I certainly will be dripping by the end of this episode. When, Delicious. Whenever you've just eaten a bunch of meat and you're, and you're like you know 10 minutes maybe from getting the meat sweats, you look like I don't know if you've watched much Seinfeld, but you look like uh, George on the episode where he's eating spicy chicken, and so he's sweating, and so his boss thinks he's lying all the time, right? Because he just looks guilty. That's always how you kind of look. You look like you look <laughs> like you're you're kind of you know the one where he says George likes his chicken spicy, yeah. right? Oh yeah, you're gonna think I'm not really convinced of my fantasy picks. It's just really the meat sweats coming in, but I promise you, I, I feel very deeply about what I uh, advise tonight. I swear, it's just nice. the sweats. All right. Well, I don't want to get too much into my personal fantasy stuff. I'm going to take about 20 seconds on it. I will just tell you there was a lot of talk about it last week. I rolled my nemesis, Johnny Goodtime, uh, by about 80 points. I'm very happy with how things went. I, I took some of your advice, didn't take the other. I, I started Martavis over D.D. Westbrook. Uh, Martavis yeah. did okay. D.D. Westbrook was the right call. And so I, I give the Wolf credit, even though I didn't take his advice on that, because the people need to know that the Wolf knows what he's talking about. Um, yeah, I, yeah um, now on the podcast, the Wolf was pushing for Aaron Jones. I never really liked that call, though I do like Jones a lot. Now, I will say that before the 1 o'clock start, the Wolf had put in on Slack that he was going to advise me on Doug Martin. I had actually already made that decision independently. Martin Good. played an okay first half um, and then was pulled. I definitely will not be going with Martin next week, but that was oh. also the right call. Um, so thanks a lot for your help. I will definitely be asking you a bunch more questions uh, moving forward. We actually have a lot of injuries to discuss, uh, especially the huge one to Carson Wentz that, you know, is, is a huge, huge deal. This guy was, I believe, either the number one or number two score in fantasy. I think he had probably briefly taken over number one from Russell Wilson before the injury. He had four touchdowns and a pick. Wilson had three of each. Those guys are both scoring machines. Uh, the Nick Foles era appears that it is going to begin, at least for the rest of the season in Philly. Um, what's your knee-jerk kind of gut reaction to that, Wolf? Oh, so I've been working on the wave wire piece before going on air. So I actually have a lot more than a knee jerk. I don't know if you want to get into it now as part of the intro or just uh, just go live. But it, obviously knee jerk, just the reaction of the injury sucks. I mean, just I, as a fan, I, right. That's what I'm You know, just, as a fan, yeah. I, I mean, as much as the, the Eagles are some heavy competition for the Patriots, if they all they both make it that far, I'd much rather it be that way with their, their stud, young, upstart quarterback. You never want to see someone like that go down that's having a career year and only year two just seems like he's going to be the next young stud to really take over the NFL. So you hate to see him go down early. You hope just there's no long-term effects here. He recovers fully and is just a speedy one at that too. So hate to see Wentz go down, especially in that fashion, both for fantasy owners, 
obviously for Philadelphia fans, it's a real tough break. I don't think Foles is horrible, so there's still you know no. some hope. But in terms of getting to the Super Bowl and having a legitimate shot, it's not going to happen without Carson Wentz this year. So it is really just tough timing. And all honestly, I blame Roger Goodell. I think him getting extended as the commissioner. I know this sounds ridiculous, but you know me. I have my weird, <laughs> it does, like, but I'm listening. <laughs> I have my weird like karma beliefs. I think the fantasy gods and NFL gods alike recognize that this guy's just a complete buffoon of a commissioner. And so they're combining forces and smiting us all with every ounce of their being. This has been the most injury-heavy season I've ever seen in terms of offensive rookie of the year going down, now an MVP candidate going down, David Johnson. You know, studs at every single position. J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt. So on the defensive side, it's not just the offensive guys. We're just all getting smited this year. It's Richard Sherman. Right? This has to be the craziest injury year you've ever seen, I'd imagine, right? I can't think of one off the top of my head with, with more marquee names that have gone down. Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you know, Aaron like, Rogers, let's, let's right. like, yeah, I'm, I mean, it, it, it's a ton. I can't deny it. I don't know how much of it's karma and how much of it is just terrible, terrible luck. But anyway, you slice it, you know, I, I feel awful. And then that's not even counting like kind of the next tier guys like Ryan Shazier and stuff like that who are excellent yeah, players. Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook, I mean, right. Just- brutal brutal year for injuries and i do think it's because we have a buffoon running the league and they just got he just got rewarded with 200 million insane insanity guy that goes on witch hunts to get his best players out of the league guy that has no rhyme or reason to anything he throws down in terms of suspensions and punishments we're we're getting punished for us owners everybody fans of the nfl it's just a brutal time and hopefully just it's a one-year thing but with the extension i don't know if it's going to continue these injuries are just insane though well, we'll see. Uh, I, I'm not sure I agree with you uh, as far as your reasoning goes, but I appreciate your uh, your willingness to say such controversial things. Um, and Commissioner, if you're listening, we'd love to have you on the show, and we're willing to you know stick questions like that and many more to you directly. He's too soft. Yeah, too he's soft. too soft. That's true. He can't take the heat. He's not. Can't he, handle the, the. He doesn't have the the sack to come on the fantasy fullback dive. Absolutely right. not. <laughs> All right. Anyway, we're going to be right back after this, and we're going to run down week 14. Then we're going to talk waivers, and we're going to you know do a deep dive into the rundown, as Carson, we usually do. Carson Wentz, etc. Uh, we'll be right back after this. All right. We are back. Week 14 rundown is about to get kicked off. You got the timer going, Wolf? You about ready? Right here, yep. All right, tell me when you're ready. Good to go. All right, three, two, one. Here we go. Atlanta 20, New Orleans 17. The Falcons secured a huge win at home and further muddied the NFC playoff picture behind a fantasy awful 221-yard, one-touchdown, three-interception game from reigning MVP Matt Ryan. Devontae Freeman ran the ball 24 times for 91 yards and a touchdown. Julio Jones had five catches for 98. Mohamed Zanu had six for 83 and a score. For the Saints, Alvin Kamara left the game early with a possible concussion, much to the chagrin of fantasy owners everywhere. Drew Brees threw for 271 and two touchdowns, but gave the game away with a costly pick near the end. Mark Ingram had 49 yards on the ground and 43 in the air. Mike Thomas had a big game with 10 catches for a buck 17 and a touchdown. Green Bay 27, Cleveland 21, OT. The Browns managed to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory on Sunday, turning a late touchdown pass in regulation to tie the game in another um, in overtime to fall 0-13. Brett Hundley passed for 265 and three touchdowns. Jamal Williams ran for 49 in the TD to go along with seven catches for 69-yard game and another score on the ground. And Devontae Adams had a huge 10-catch 84-2 TD game for the Packers. The Browns enjoyed a stellar game from Josh Gordon, who seems to be picking up where he left off in 2014. Gordon, Corey Coleman, and Duke Johnson all had receiving touchdowns for Cleveland. Isaiah Crowell had a robust 121 rushing for the Browns in the losing effort. Hugh Jackson, who is still somehow an NFL head coach, fell to 1-28 in his career with the loss. Green Bay now eyes a potential return for Aaron Rodgers next week at Carolina, with the Packers still in the playoff hunt. Denver 23, New York Jets 0. What? The Broncos stopped an eight-game skid by shutting out the Jets, reminding everyone that you can spin them any way you want, but at the end of the day, they're still the Jets. Trevor Simeon had 200 yards passing and a touchdown. C.J. Anderson ran for 48 yards and received for another 25. Demarius Thomas, who the Wolf hates, had eight catches for 93 yards and a score. For the Jets, Josh McCown left the game with a broken hand, opening the door for Bryce Petty. That was all the emerging receiving duo of Robbie Anderson and Jermaine Curse needed to be shut down, as both of them were completely neutralized. The loss drops the Jets to 5-8. and eight. Don't be surprised if they don't record a win for the rest of the season. 
Buffalo 13, Indianapolis 7 and OT in a game quarterbacked most of the way by Nathan Peterman. The Bills didn't even pretend they wanted to pass the ball and handed it off to LaShawn McCoy 32 times, correctly predicted by the Wolf of Rota Street on last week's podcast. McCoy turned those carries into 156 yards and a winning touchdown, while Calvin Benjamin returned and had a receiving touchdown, one of only seven completed passes the Bills had in the entire game. For the Colts, Jacoby Brissett passed for an utterly laughable 69 yards and one touchdown to Jack the Beanstalk Doyle, while Frank the Nutcracker Gore ran for 130 yards on the ground with 36 carries, too. Insane. T.Y. Who Hilton received for 20 yards on the day to cap off an embarrassing day for Indianapolis. Chicago 33, Cincinnati 7. Speaking of embarrassment, if you look that word up in the dictionary, it would probably say something like losing to the Bears by 26 at home, which the Bengals managed to achieve on Sunday. Mitch Trubisky completed almost 80% of his passes, throwing for 271 yards and a touchdown. Jordan Howard ran for a buck 47 and two touchdowns while Tariq Cohen added another 80 on the ground. Kendall Wright had 10 catches for 107 yards and a dominant performance from Chicago. For the Bengals, there was an A.J. McCarron sighting as Andy Dalton was unimpressive passing for 141 yards, a touchdown and a pick. Giovanni Bernard ran for 62 and received for 68 and A.J. Green was held to just five catches for 64 yards on the day. Kansas City 26, Oakland 15 and what may end up playing out as an elimination game, the Chiefs thoroughly throttled the Raiders who only managed their 15 points in the fourth quarter once the game was long over. Kareem Hunt had 116 yards, one touchdown rushing game, and Jarkandrick West added another score on the ground for a revitalized Chiefs running attack. Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey had 75 and 74 yards respectively to round out the offensive attack for Kansas City. For the Raiders, Derek Carr looked hopelessly average or even worse, passing for 211 yards, one touchdown, and two picks. Marshawn Lynch only carried the ball seven times but managed 61 yards and a score, while Michael Crabtree saw 13 targets, caught catching seven of them for 60 yards and a two-point conversion. Jared Cook had a nice game receiving with seven catches, I mean five catches, 75 yards, and a TD. Dallas 30, New York Giants 10. Eli Manning's triumphant return to New York was derailed when the fans and the general public forgot that he was still Eli Manning and hadn't somehow turned into Joe Montana over the past two weeks. The Cowboys crushed the Giants behind a 332-yard, three-touchdown passing score game from Dak Prescott. Alfred Morris ran for 62 yards. Rod, Rod Smith ran for 47 and a score. And Smith added another 113 yards receiving and another touchdown to round out a great statistical game. Des Bryant also had three catches for 73 yards and a score for Dallas. The aforementioned Eli Manning passed for 222 yards, one touchdown, and an interception. Evan Ingram had four catches that went for 54 yards for the now two and 11 Giants. Detroit 24, Tampa Bay 21, Matt Stafford passed for 381 yards and a touchdown, although he's picked off twice as the Lions knocked off the terrible Buccaneers on Sunday in Tampa. With Amir Abdullah injured, Theo Riddick ran the ball 10 times for just 29 yards, but he did score two rushing touchdowns, and he added six catches for 64 yards in the receiving game. Definitely was not Teon Green, like the Wolf said. Eric Ebron had 10 catches for 94 yards, Golden Tate had 8 for 85 and a score, and Marvin Jones had three catches for 64 yards. For the Bucks. Jameis Winston threw for 285 yards, two scores, and two picks. Doug Martin ran for 26 yards and a touchdown in the first half, but Peyton Barber took over and ran 12 times for 58 yards uh, in the second half. O.J. Howard had a receiving touchdown from Tampa Bay, while Mike Evans was held to two catches for 25 yards that fucking bust. Carolina 31, Minnesota 24. Cam Newton passed for 137 yards, a touchdown, and a pick, but added another 70 yards rushing to help the Panthers hand the Vikings a rare defeat on Sunday. Jonathan Stewart ran up 16 times for 103 yards and three, count them, three touchdowns on the day. Devin Funches had three catches for 59 yards and the Panthers' lone receiving touchdown. Christian McCaffrey was held in check with only 53 total yards. Case Keenum passed for 280 yards, two touchdowns, and two picks and ran for another 40, but it wasn't enough as Jarek McKinnon and Latavius Murray only combined for 60 yards on the ground. Adam Thielen continued his great receiving catch in six balls for 105 and a touchdown. Stephon Diggs also had six catches that went for 64. Kyle Rudolph had three catches for 41 yards and a score. San Francisco 26, Houston 16. One has to wonder what the 49ers record would be right now if they had been playing with Jimmy G all season. As Garoppolo passed for 334 yards, a TD and a pick, and the second straight win for San Francisco and the second straight road win too. Carlos Hyde had 78 yards and a score on the ground. Marquise Gooden led the way with six catches for 106 yards receiving, while Garrett Selleck had two catches for 67 and a score. TJ Yates filled in for Tom Savage, who left with a concussion eventually, and passed for 175 yards and two TDs. Lamar Miller ran for 53 yards on the ground, but the real fantasy stud of the day was DeAndre Hopkins, that fucking beast, who had 11 catches, 149 yards, and two touchdowns for the Texans in a losing effort. Quarterbacks cannot hold him back. No, but they sure have tried. Arizona 12, Tennessee 7. 
Wow, what an awful game. The Cardinals failed to score a touchdown, but it didn't matter as the Titans went from being the worst 8-4 team in football to the worst 8-5 team in football on Sunday. Larry Fitzgerald had five catches for 44 yards, and Kerwin Williams had 73 yards on the ground for the Cardinals. Evidently, that was enough to take care of Tennessee. Marcus Mariota had 159 yards passing and two picks. I also heard he got maybe hurt. Derrick Henry ran for 20 yards. DeMarco Murray ran for 34, and he outsnapped Henry 47-13 for the game. Delaney Walker had five catches for 42 yards in what was a terrible, terrible football game. Los Angeles 30, Washington 13. The Chargers look like a surging potential playoff team as they thoroughly dismantled the Redskins from start to finish and at the end found themselves tied to the top spot in the AFC West. Phillip Rivers continued his impressive play, passing for 319 yards and two touchdowns. We told you so. Melvin Gordon had 78 yards on the ground and a touchdown, while Keenan Allen continues to scorch the earth with six catches for 111 yards. Tyrell Williams also had four catches for 132 yards and a score, and Hunter Henry had four catches, 50 yards, and a TD. For Washington, Kirk Cousins was lousy the whole game, passing for 151 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. Disgusting. Vernon Davis had the lone receiving touchdown for the Redskins. Philadelphia 43, Los Angeles Rams 35 in a very competitive game with huge playoff implications at the top of the NFC. The Eagles held on to beat the Rams but paid a very high price in the process. Carson Wentz passed for 291 yards, four touchdowns and a pick but was injured in the second half with a potential ACL tear. It's now a confirmed ACL tear. And the Eagles fear now that's confirmed as well. He may be out for the year. Jay Ayaji rushed for 78 yards for the Eagles. Torrey Smith Man, I haven't heard that name in a long time. Had six catches for 100 yards. Trey Burton had two touchdown catches replacing Zach Ertz, as recommended by the RSJ guys on Sunday morning during their live show, if you tuned in. Nelson Aguilar had eight catches for 64 yards. Alshon Jeffrey had five catches for 52 and a score. Jared Goff had 199 yards and two touchdowns. Todd Gurley ran for 96, received for 39, and also scored twice. Cooper Cup had five balls for 118 yards and a touchdown. Sammy Watkins also scored for the Rams. Jacksonville 30, Seattle 24, Sir Blake Bortles passed for 268 yards and two touchdowns while Ernst was watching on Sunday to put themselves <laughs> alone atop the AFC South. Leonard Fournette in a shocker rushed for 101 yards and a touchdown, while D.D. Westbrook, our favorite playoff stash run hero, is starting to emerge. Five catches, 81 yards, and a score to lead the Jags. Meanwhile, Russell Wilson threw for 271 yards and three touchdowns, but he's also intercepted three times. Mike Davis assumed RB1 duties for the Seahawks, but only managed 66 yards rushing. He did leave early in the third. Doug Baldwin, Paul Richardson, and Tyler Lockett each had receiving touchdowns for Seattle, and Jimmy Graham, always useful, was held out to zero yards on zero receptions for the day. Ouch. Pittsburgh 39, Baltimore 38. This was a super exciting Sunday night AFC North showdown. The Steelers eked out the win over the Ravens in what surprisingly ended up being a real shootout. Ben Roethlisberger, the brave one, became the first quarterback to pass for over 500 yards three times in his career, I believe, as he went for 506 and two scores through the air. Le'Veon only rushed for 48 yards, but scored twice, and then he added another nine catches for 77 yards and another score through the air. Antonio Brown turned in a ho-hum, 11 catches for 213 yards performance. I want to say like 170 of that came in the fourth quarter, while Jesse James had 10 catches for 97 yards, Martavis Bryant had six catches, but for only 33 yards. For the Ravens, Joe Flacco went for 269, two touchdowns and a pick. Alex Collins ran for 120 yards in the score and added another 46 in the receiving game. And Mike Wallace had three catches for 72 to lead the Ravens. Ooh, just over 10 minutes. Oh, we shouldn't have done all that side commentary. I know, we added in quite a few side comments. I know, we do have a lot to say. Yes, we do. But still not bad to squeeze all that action. It was, it was a crazy Sunday. It was a big so week and there was some... To, to 10 minutes yeah. big games there are some big games I mean I'd love to do some deep dives there and obviously you're going to want to talk about replacements for Carson Wentz uh, why don't we start with that game and then, yeah, and then you can that get into went, that yeah that one went completely as expected remember we kept talking about how it's going to be a, a dick measuring con- contest between Wentz and Goff it surely was what a game it was in the process too like it's tick for tack one offense goes down, scores, the next one's up, and, and they just put on a show. It really is just too bad that Wentz, that, that had to happen this this way. You know, that seemed like it was going to be a potential rematch coming in the playoffs like that. It, awesome game, very fun to watch, but horrible for Eagles fans, fantasy owners, and just football fans in general to see Carson Wentz go down like that. Uh, but like you said, at this point, you just got to kind of move on and, and say, what do I do next? And there, there are some decent replacement options. Um, the, the main one being... Uh, Blake Bortles, which I can't believe I'm recommending, but Blake Bortles, 35% owned, uh, and has to be a guy that is at the top of your list right now for the the waiver wire. He's 
coming off in his last five games, he has 18 points in four of those five, 23 or more in two of those five. So the guy's already been scorching the earth. And then you look, and he's got the just easiest playoff schedule to round out the year. He's got Houston giving up the second most fantasy points to quarterbacks uh, coming up this week. And then right after, he follows that up with San Fran giving up the third most fantasy points to quarterbacks. There's just a real setup for Blake Bortles not only to be, and he's playing already like the London God self that he is, uh, but he's on American soil. So he's going to make some real folklore come out in the Americas this time. Maybe Alan Earns will watch him get blown in America now and not just over in London. Who knows? But fantasy owners, if you lost Wentz, you have to be throwing everything you own on free agency budget, waiver priorities, whatever, to get Blake Bortles. If he's out there, he's the guy that could actually be a, a true hero for you. And I think he's going to put up 20 or more in both games to, to end the season here. That's kind of my bold prediction, but especially with D.D. Westbrook emerging too. I just, I absolutely love Bortles as a guy that's widely out there for anyone who lost Wentz. And D.D. Westbrook is a no-brainer starter from here on out, it sounds like. Oh, yeah, with that schedule, again, Houston and San Fran, so they give up a ton to the quarterback, and they give up pretty much just as equally much to the the wide receivers. It makes sense. The passing game just explodes against both teams, and he's only 30% owned. I know we've been raving about him literally since week eight when he was about to come off the IR. We've been talking about Westbrook as a stash, then as a playoff stretch run hero. He's been clearly an RHA guy, and I know he hasn't lit the world on fire until this week. But that's when we said week 14, you know, look at his playoff schedule. The Seahawks can get beat deep. We saw Aguilar do it, which we predicted. Both guys going deep on them. Uh, coming off an 81-yard TD day, D.D. Westbrook now facing Houston is going to be in my top 20 receivers, I think, just as I put Goodwin there last week. And he responded with six catches for 100 yards. I really think D.D. Westbrook's a lock to go over 100 and probably find the end zone again. He's got to be added. He's my number one add of the week. Unless you lost Wentz and you need Bortles, then you should be going all in to get D.D. Westbrook if he's out there. I agree. Another kind of sneaky thing I believe happened in this Eagles-Rams game, which is that I think it is entirely possible that with the five-catch, 118-yard touchdown performance from Cooper Cup, that he may have officially become the leading receiver on the Rams with yeah. with that game, which a certain somebody predicted before week one. And I just want to mention that to the general public because there was a lot of talk about Sammy Watkins, blah, 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 blah. The Wolf was having none of it. He said Cooper Cup's going to be the highest-scoring uh, receiver on the Rams, um, and he has already been outscoring Watkins, but Robert Woods really came out of nowhere. But I kind of think with the Woods injury, Cup is now in first place, and it's not a lousy first place. Cooper Cup's, you know, what, a top 15 receiver maybe? He's been lighting the world on fire, man. I, I obviously, I liked him to make that type of a bold prediction, but I didn't see it being as strong as it has been. I, I don't know exactly where he sits right now, but with these last few weeks when, since Woods has gone down, over these last couple weeks, he's been a top 10 guy uh, over that span. So I think that's definitely Boogie's value. I bet you he's up to the top 20 at this point. Uh, yeah, I mean, Cooper Cup, I, I'd like to revisit. Maybe that will be one of our first offseason podcasts. Just look at all 32 bold predictions we made and see how we did, because I really think we made some some pretty viable predictions. You definitely that. nailed some of them. Um, one of the ones, one of the ones you missed, which I think is really interesting and, and is a testament to the player, as much more than like one that you blew, is that you said Lashawn McCoy was going to be great, but then he was going to get injured, and someone else was going to take over. And McCoy's been amazing, amazingly durable this year. I mean, he's, oh, he's been unbelievable. He's, you know, he's one of these guys that he had a great game this week. But before this week, you look at his numbers, you look at kind of what he's done, and you say McCoy has never been like outstanding this year. He's been an okay back, but. Then I looked at his numbers, and he's the RB seven for the year uh, in PPR league, and that was before this week when he had a big when he had a big game. So uh, that's a guy that you were not really wrong on because you said he would be great, but you just assumed he'd get hurt, and he has it for some reason. Absolutely um, lit up. Let's talk. Um, oh, go ahead. One sec. I got a my buddy who let me borrow the sound equipment's calling me. I think he might have trivia night tonight, so let me hit him up. All right, we're gonna pause it right there, folks. You used to call me on my cell phone. All right, we were talking, uh, we just had an unexpected break in the action there. 
surprisingly, the wolf was irresponsible with a cord that he borrowed for the Fibbers event. But anyway, uh, we were talking, I got a little sidetracked. I was talking about how durable Shady has been. Uh, I wanted to talk about a couple more potential Wentz replacements because that's really the big thing. If you're still in the playoffs, if you're still alive in your fantasy league, which I imagine a lot of people that have Carson Wentz as their starting quarterback maybe are. Um, you know, how are you going to survive this week? That's the big question. So uh, we talked Bortles. That seems like a really great pick to me. What do you think about Foles? I think Foles, he's actually my third on the list, but might even be second, depending on how he looks this week, obviously. But his schedule is the second best. He gets the Giants uh, this week, which is obviously just pathetic. Dak Prescott put up 33 fantasy points after being under 14 in five straight. So anybody can bomb the Giants. I think Nick Foles is included in that, which is sad to say. We obviously have to see how he looks as a talent. Like, I mean, he's been on the NFL field before. He's gotten it done on the NFL field before. He's got everything around him, the line, the block, the surrounding talent at the, the wide receiver position, the tight end with Zach Ertz. I mean, he's got everything he needs to succeed against a very bad defense. So everything's in his favor as long as he can deliver the mail. That's a huge question mark. It's Nick Foles after all. But there is a reason to stream him, and it's all the weapons and everything around him and a great matchup. And then he gets Oakland in Week 16. So let's say he succeeds and starts building on it and is getting confident. He gets another easy matchup in Week 16. So I think Foles is definitely stashable, if not streamable, this week for anyone who lost uh, Carson Wentz. What I would prefer to do with that is probably try to start Jimmy Garoppolo this week, 20% owned. So he's pretty widely available in 80% of leagues right now. I know he's more of a real-life quarterback at this point. He's flashing some real sack with two road wins on a team that has no line, very weak weapons. But the guy's just getting it done, I mean, learning a playbook on the fly. So everything is against him to succeed, and he's, he's getting it done, which is amazing. Um, but that doesn't always translate to fantasy success all the time. And as much as he's been thrown for a ton of yards, he's averaging over 300 in his first two starts. He, he isn't throwing a ton of touchdowns because, again, his guys are dropping a lot of balls. He doesn't have a great amount of weapons there. He does get Tennessee this week. So if you're going to ever stream him, this would be another week to do it. They're only giving up. The, they're right in the middle of the pack. You'd think it'd be worse after they got bombed by the guys like Tom Savage and different things. But they're actually not getting as killed as I thought. So it's not the most amazing matchup for him. But ultimately, uh, I like what he's putting on the, the field, on the tape. He's at home, so his first home game is a starter. I really think he'll make an interesting streamer this week against Tennessee. But then he gets Jacksonville Week 16. So that's why you want a guy like Nick Foles. Or if you know Foles goes, you can get a guy like maybe Joe. This is where you're getting desperate. But Joe Flacco, 14% owned. He's coming off two straight 269-yard, two TD days, like literally exact same stats. Um, in a couple weeks, he gets Cleveland this week and then he gets Indy the week after. So, I mean, third most, six most fantasy points in those two respective matchups. So, again, we're just playing the matchups. And a guy that's been getting kind of hot, maybe Joe Flacco is a guy you pair with. Jimmy Garoppolo, Deshaun Kaiser is really tough to recommend because it's the Browns and the Browns suck. But he's also put up 20 fantasy points in three of his last five. But then he also gets you know, the brutal schedule of Baltimore coming up, Pittsburgh. So some really tough pass defenses for Kaiser. If he had an easier schedule, the way he's clicking with Gordon and Coleman right now, I'd love to recommend Kaiser. He'd be at the top of this list. But the schedule is just so brutal down the, the stretch here that I can't in good faith say Kaiser's your guy. So, again, I would go Bortles if I'm just going to sum it all up. Bortles at the top of the list, 100%. Go all in if he's there. Get him. And then I would say a pairing of Jimmy Garoppolo, Nick Foles, and Joe Flacco would kind of be your, your next best bet. Uh, just to quote the Wolf, uh, a lot of times when he gets questions in the mailbag on uh, Joe Flacco, you. Uh, <laughs> but anyway. Gross. But you got to roll up the sleeves at this point in the oh, year. Look, it's week 14 or whatever, or 15, 14, 15. Uh, yeah, you got to do what you got to do. You're just trying to survive. At this point, you're, you're looking for a quarterback that can win you one game. And then if yep. you win this one, you got to win one more game and then you can pack it in. So this is survive in advance, survive in advance. If you yeah. got to do it with Flacco, uh, you hold your nose and you do it. Um, with that said, let's go into a little bit more deep dive stuff. I was talking about how durable McCoy is. We don't have to get into that anymore. Um, let's talk just a little bit about Pittsburgh. I just want to ooh and ah just a little bit. Roethlisberger yeah. over 500 yards passing. Antonio Brown over 211 uh, 11 catches. Le'Veon Bell, uh, 125 all-purpose yards, three touchdowns, including nine catches if you're a PPR guy. Wow. 
Just, yeah. just wow. And, and by the way, and this doesn't get talked about much. I mean, Jesse James also had 10 for 97. Not that I think he's that good, but something else that else doesn't get talked about much for Pittsburgh. Their kicker's really good. I, I know. Boswell's been <laughs> un- lights out, and they say that's the hardest field to ever hit field goals on, and he's been absolutely money lately. So Boswell definitely flashing some sack. Great fantasy kicker right now, too. And, and just Big Ben, too. What a turnaround. He actually got cut in a couple leagues I was in, and owners who picked him up are really feasting, although one bad call I had this week. And ultimately, I never am happy with a bad call, but this one was for Mock. You know, we talk about arch nemesis. Sure. John, good times is yours. Mock is mine, and uh, you know, uh, he asked me McCowan versus Big Ben, and I said, roll with McCowan. Baltimore, tough matchup. McCowan's been red hot. We had all those stats about the Broncos being just a kind of fake fluke defense. Sure. And and obviously, you know, going for 500 yards, we have a a 400-yard bonus. So I think Big Ben put up around 33, and McCowan had about negative two. So I never want to get one wrong, especially that drastic. But the fact that it cost Dave Mock a playoff spot – I don't hate it. So I, that, I'm not going to give myself bad karma for saying I don't mind a bad call. Obviously, I want to get every single one of them right. But for Dave Mock, if you're listening, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you can quote me on that. Uh, let's yes. talk about Philip Rivers, a quarterback that you identified weeks ago as having a really favorable playoff schedule. Uh, you thought that he was going to come into his own. He really has. Uh, he's my hometown league quarterback. I've been very happy with what he's doing. I, I originally drafted him as my backup quarterback. Uh, I was, had him backing up Jameis Winston. And he and Winston is garbage. And yeah. Philip Rivers has been great. I've been really happy with him every game. It helps that he's got uh, Keenan Allen's been fantastic. Hunter Henry has gradually come into his own. Melvin Gordon's had a solid season. Tyrell Williams has started to show up uh, a little more frequently. Do you think Tyrell Williams is worthy of maybe a waiver pickup or or do you think it's just like too um, erratic? It's tough because this late in the playoffs, it's really hard to roll out a guy that's that boom or bust. I mean, if you're desperate and you're looking at a flex and you want some blowups, they still have a favorable schedule. They get Kansas City coming up and Saturday Night Football too, which is always exciting. There's definitely a blow-up spot there for Tyrell Williams. But, man, you roll him out on Saturday night and he gets one catch for 15 yards, you're just starting off with week 15. could totally happen. I mean, that's Absolutely. That's both, I mean, you could roll him roll out gets 115 a touchdown again, and then you're just like in awe and, and joy, which is definitely a possibility. But I don't want to trust that if I don't have to. Really, the only reason I'd be owning Tyrell Williams is to handcuff Keenan Allen. And still, that's a viable play at this point of the season. If you're week 15 and he gets out, week 16, then Tyrell Williams would be a a must start. So, yes, I think he's definitely rosterable. He's out there in over 70% of the Yeah, he's out there. He's definitely out there after this blowup. Could warrant a look. Um, but he's not a guy I'm sprinting out and going after. And that was, uh, like you mentioned, one of our better predictions on that episode, which I think will go down as one of our best episodes, the playoff preview where we kind of spur of the moment looked at the schedule and said who's got favorable matchups, who doesn't. One thing that's not going as we expected, though, is the Raiders, dude. They are absolutely crumbling despite having some of the most favorable matchups on the board. Derek Carr just doesn't look good. What's happened to him this year? I don't know. I mean, you know, I was really high on Carr last year, and I think with good reason. I mean, he looked excellent, um, and and they fell apart once he disappeared. He has not looked good really all year, and I don't know if it's residual from the inner, uh, you know, injuries last year or what, but just Did has not probably? looked too good. Um, Crabtree's looked good. I mean, he you know he put up a decent thing. Uh, Cooper's been extremely boomer bust, more bust than boom. When he plays, yeah, but he got re-injured too. Yeah, re-aggravated something there, so he might be done for the season. Who knows? Yeah, and I mean, I guess maybe that helps Crabtree's upside a little bit. But Carr has not looked very good, and the Raiders look like garbage. I mean, you know, even with all that, they that game against the Chiefs, they would have been in the driver's seat in the AFC West. They'd won, but they just looked terrible. They lost twenty six fifteen. The game was never as competitive as that score would indicate. They they mm-hmm. were, I think, down twenty six to nothing. As a matter of fact, in the fourth quarter. So yeah, I don't know what to tell you. They just look like garbage. Uh, speaking of yeah. garbage, let's talk about the Tennessee Titans. Um, you know, scoring seven points against the Cardinals, sitting at eight and four. Now they're eight and five. What do you think about this snap count? Forty-seven to thirteen, Murray in favor of Henry. That has got to just really hurt you deeply on a personal level. 
It's so goddamn frustrating because, and it'd be one thing if Murray, like last year, he earned it. He deserved it. He was feasting. He looked like an unbelievable fit for the system. He looked rejuvenated, but he's looked dead all year. He's been playing through injury after injury, which I respect. But as a a fantasy guy and just as an NFL fan, it's time to unleash Derrick Henry. You see the guy run for a 75-yard touchdown, the fastest logged miles per hour on the week last week, and yet he gets that vastly outsnapped. Like you maybe a 50-50 split. Because it's veteran deference or whatever you're, you're doing. If I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what the justification is. Why are they not trying to see what they have in this guy? Again, on his touchdown run, Derrick Henry looked nice, powerful. Just every time he touches the ball, I get excited. Every time Murray touches the ball, I just get soft. It's awful. I can't believe that this guy's involved as he is. And it's really ruined what should be and someday will be an RB1 type of you know backfield there with Derrick Henry. I still believe firmly if you're in a keeper league – that's the type of play, if you can make it now, because clearly Henry has no value right now. So if you can buy low on him, I was talking to a buddy who's out of his leagues, and he's like, my keeper leagues have been awful. I've been getting crushed every year. Is there any guy you're looking for right now? If you're in a keeper league and you're kind of out of it, or even if you're not out of it and you just want to make a quick buy low, Derek Henry, I'm telling you, is going to be one of those RB1s for year in and year out. Yeah, that's going to be one I'll either going to go down with hard because I've been predicting it for two years now. Um, when he gets his opportunity, I am so confident that he's got the line, he's got the system, he's got the talent, that he's going to be a true RB1, maybe even a top five RB for multiple years. So if you're in a dynasty league, go out there, get Henry right now while the price is cheap because it's not going to last too much longer. We talked a little bit about Jimmy Garoppolo. Don't need to go into him uh, too much more. You know how we feel about him. We think he's a great quarterback. Well, potentially great quarterback, great real quarterback, uh, middling fantasy quarterback right now. But I could see that changing next year. But in the San Francisco-Houston game, the guy to talk about, even though we're really just saying more of the same, is DeAndre Hopkins. What, Uh, What a monster. Absolutely. I mean, gets it done no matter who's behind center. So at this point, Next year, when you're looking ahead, I know we rattled off like a top five and he wasn't in it, but when Watson comes back, if reports are Watson's fully back and good to go, Hopkins really does deserve top five consideration at minimum, the way he's lit it up. It's really him, Antonio Brown, and no one else is even close, like Julio and and Mike Evans, complete busts. Odell Beckham, obviously an injury. Who knows exactly where he'll slide in with the receiver rankings next year. But when I when I rank them for 2018, it's going to be a clear tier of A, B, then DeAndre Hopkins, and then everybody else. It's not even close at this point uh, how far he's separated. I'm intrigued by Watson's ranking next year. You know, assuming he is fully healthy and looking like he did pre-injury form, he still got the mobility and everything. I wonder where would you potentially take a plunge on Deshaun Watson the way he Are was you talking playing? about where in the draft or where amongst quarterbacks? Well, amongst quarterbacks, I think he's got to be number one if he's healthy. There's just nobody with even close to that upside. Obviously, Brady, you know, is gone. I was going to – I'd put Roger, Rogers close to that upside. Rogers too, yeah. That's but, true. But, um, yeah, I, I think he would be the guy. I mean, I you know – it's one of these guys I've heard you talk about guys like this before, and I agree with how you put it, which is he's a guy I'm never going to own because someone's going to take him before. I mean, you know, where would I reach for him? I mean, he's he might be like a third, fourth round guy, and I'm not mm-hmm. taking a quarterback then. But yeah. but but that but that's where I could see him going. I mean, like I'm a guy that was an owner of Michael Vick when he was displaying very similar skills and uh, yeah. passing potential, and it was it was really fun owning him. I got to admit. Yeah. Um, but like I, I couldn't afford him, I don't think now. I don't think I'd be willing to reach where you'd have to reach to get Watson. Um, yeah. But I'm pulling for him, even if I don't get him. I want him to be great because I mean, you know, Hopkins is even better. I mean, this is Hopkins with T.J. Yates and Tom Savage, Buck 49, yeah. 11 catches, two touchdowns. Come on, that's ridiculous. Unbelievable. Um, Panthers, Minnesota. Uh, that was a big game. Minnesota lost, but you know, it did not do much to make me kind of uh, think that the Minnesota stock plummeted or anything. And it's in a way, I feel like me and a lot of other people have been waiting for Minnesota kind of to come crashing down. I didn't feel like this was that exactly. Uh, Case Keenum didn't look terrible. I mean, he had 320 yards of total offense. The running backs were no good. Thielen was great. Diggs was good. Rudolph was good. Um, You know, their defense looked solid. I mean, you, you can't bank on Jonathan Stewart scoring three touchdowns. No, which is insane, too. Come against the hardest run defense in the league for the Vikings, and he comes out and runs for 103 and three touchdowns. Insanity. And what's even crazier is he's actually out there in 38% of leagues right now. So widely available. 
finishes the season here with Green Bay and Tampa Bay. Green Bay, the 10th most points to running backs. Tampa Bay, the 7th. So very favorable schedule here for Jonathan Stewart. If he can, you know, score three touchdowns and rack up 103 yards, obviously most of that came on that 60-yard scamper that was just perfectly blocked. But that's the thing. The, the line's been really gelling lately. They've been opening massive holes against good defenses, and now they get two soft fronts. Uh, I think Jay Stu has the real potential, which is unsexy as he is. Might be the unsexiest stretch run hero. One stat I heard from our guy Ian Harditz, uh, there's only nine running backs this year that have over 10 carries within the five-yard line and uh, over 10 targets in the red zone too. And I would never have guessed that Jonathan Stewart's one of them, but he is. I, you think McCaffrey's the guy racking up the targets or whatnot, but Jonathan Stewart's been used in the passing game in the red zone too. So he has this invaluable stripe role. Uh, in an offense that's going to be visiting the, uh, the the red zone quite frequently here to end the season. I think he's a good bet for a touchdown a week to, to wrap out these playoffs. So if you're out there and Jonathan Stewart's available and you need a flex or a running back too, you should be throwing as much as you can. He's my third-ranked guy on the waiver wire behind D.D. Westbrook. And then also Mr. Mike Davis. Uh, not a, a thrilling game this week. Only had you know 66 yards, had a, another catch on the day but he also exited it early into the third so he was racking up the yards there's a drive where they handed off to him four straight plays and he racked up 49 yards on just four straight carries it's one of those things where it's like okay this team is putting the, like he's putting the team on his back type of running back and very few teams you know we talk about mccoy doing it but we've never seen the seahawks do that this year their running game has been so pathetic and then you know davis really did flash yet again and then he comes in and gets the rams next week the second most points to running backs He's going to rank in my top 20 running backs, assuming he's healthy. Again, he did leave the game with an injury. There's been no update as of this recording what that injury is or where he's going to come in. But he's clearly the guy if he's healthy. He's, again, 15 carries within three quarters. He was going to have a 20, 25-carry day if he made it all the way through. He's the workhorse here. He's going to have an absolute cake matchup week 15. Dallas is nothing to worry about in week 16 if you make it past there. So he's my number two ad. Those are like the three difference makers I kind of label them. Westbrook, Davis, and then Jonathan Stewart. And then a couple other guys we talked about, you know, Theo Riddick. Uh, the two touchdowns, Kerwin Williams, we mentioned in the rundown, 73 yards. He gets the sixth easiest uh, matchup with the Washington Redskins, New York Giants, eighth easiest. Just kind of this turned into a quick wave ride rundown. I just want to make sure I mentioned some of those guys. Uh, Peyton Barber, as you mentioned, probably going to take over for Doug Martin. So looks pretty talented throughout. Those are just a couple other names to keep on your waiver wire radar. I'll have even more when you check out the article tomorrow. Uh, it will be up. But what about uh, a guy I'm not buying on the waiver wire, but we've talked about quite a bit, Rod Smith, huh? Not interested. But, but, not interested. But, but I'm not. But, I mean, great stacking. I don't know. I, I'm not in – I mean, it depends what my situation is. I mean, I don't know. There's certainly people I would drop for Rod Smith, but he is uh, – Johnny Goodtimes actually tried to trade me Rod Smith many times. Johnny yeah. Goodtimes is one of these people that when he has somebody – just they're they're, they're they're so valuable like he's yeah. just like he's like oh man like rod smith you'd be crazy not to he also uh he was basically trying to convince me uh maybe three or four weeks ago that jacoby Brissett was around as good as philip rivers and like one and i mean like he was like you know they're comparable after the first three guys it's all a toss-up and i was like that's not true even a little bit but when <laughs> when, when, when he owns somebody they're just so valuable um right. I, I do want to talk about a, a jonathan stewart a guy that you talked about reason if you go into a bar and and you're trying to pick up the female equivalent of Jonathan Stewart. What's she like? Oh man, that, that's a tricky one. Kind of like, boxy. <laughs> it's it's one of those things where like like a Volvo. She, yeah, like a dependable, <laughs> not not as high level as a Volvo. I would say more of like your Camry, like your you know your Honda Civic, just dependable, reliable. I just changed uh, her into a car. I want I want uh, I want to know what kind of woman we're talking about. So a dependable woman, a woman you can count on. She gets places on time. Gets you know yeah, she's helped out by her supporting cast too. Like she's surrounded by some sexier talent that kind of makes her you know that group of girls like when you see a group of hot girls out and you're just like, okay. And like, like Cam, Cam Newton is like one of them. Right, yeah, Cam, you know Cam Newton, flashy, or Christian McCaffrey, like the young, the young hot girl hanging out with him too. Yeah, it's a good-looking group of girls out here. It's like, yeah, this is fun to talk to, and she's just kind of there and, and part of the wave. And when you get up and closer, she's the one that's like surprisingly, you know, prettier than the other ones. Maybe not as hot and sexy and flashy, but just you look at it and you're like, oh, okay, like. 
from far away, you were not the one I was checking out here, but everyone else around you brought me in, and now you're you're producing, and you're you know dependable. Obviously, disappears at times. You're not, still a boom bust type of play, but you're pleasantly surprised uh, when you get over there that you weren't originally going for that, and then you see it, and you're like, okay, I can you know I can get down behind this. Type I think of thing. that was really eloquently put, Wolf. That was good. I put you on the spot there. I did not prep him for that, but you, you know, there's one thing that you're good at rattling off is when I ask you the female equivalent of a football player. You're pretty yeah. good at that. Um, let me ask you one thing. There's only one yeah. thing I want to touch in, uh, touch on on the Detroit-Tampa Bay game, and this is really just a direct question. How disappointed are you in Mike Davis? I mean, Mike Evans, I'm sorry. Mike Evans, oh, it's just so embarrassing. You know, it, when you look back at it, it's like that whole – you were kind of just plagued if you were in that whole draft range of like – Odell Beckham got hurt. Mike Evans bust. Julio Jones hasn't been much, if any, better than them. That just kind of tier of receivers is so disappointing. Mike Evans definitely included in that. He started out the year pretty hot and was looking like, oh, yeah, this is the clear guy. Tony, but he never really ever had that, like, 152 TD day. You know, last year, it was – you'd be watching Thursday night, and I had Mike Evans that had, like, spread open those cheeks and that, and he'd have, like, three absurd touchdown catches, and it'd be like, oh, this is – this guy's just an unbelievable stud. I guess yeah. he's kind of on that every other year plan where he has a monster then disappears. So I guess he's due for a so monster. So are you going to rank this guy like your number – two receiver or whatever this year I don't know. No, based on that logic no uh, but I, i'm not gonna just abandon ship next year i'm imagining he's gonna fall to like mid round two late round two it's so obviously it's so early to project how the market's gonna shake yeah out. but don't sit but, here and pretend you're not thinking about stuff like that of course i am like let's say i have levy on bell the top of draft and mike evans is sitting there at the end of round two the the chance to put like put together a potential target hog with that guy with Le'Veon Bell would be a lot it'd be hard for me to pass up I could see it kind of being like a DeAndre Hopkins situation where Hopkins was obviously coming off a down year a lot of people were down on him he was falling to round three this year and then it's just you got to bet on the talent I think he'll bounce back next year but man has it been very very disappointing I think that's that whole team has kind of quit so that's really just weeks ago you know yeah exactly there's already I was reading reports that like we mean you were speculating that and then reports came out this Sunday that Jameis Winston's fed up with Dirk Cutter's play calling. He thinks it's stale. He thinks it's boring. And I know that was one thing we were raving about was Dirk Cutter and him have the immense chemistry and they love each other. And it's going to be the four verticals offense. But that has just soured really fast due to injury, due to lack of good play calling. You know, everything there has just gone to shit. They really need to – I think more important to anybody's value there is solidifying that line. It's horrible. He's under pressure all day. They have no running lanes to speak of. So until they add some line pieces, I guess you'd be in like a situation like the Rams. You know, They add just two or three linemen, maybe one other complementary piece, and they, they take off again. But until they get that line short up, nothing's going to get fixed there. So that, that's really the big – for Mike Evans, I don't think it's him. I think it's everything else, the team quitting. I, I would be back in on him next year. I think I agree with you. And just uh, to double back to where you talked about DeAndre Hopkins falling so much, I got DeAndre Hopkins in the third round of a 14-team league. That's so, crazy. Yeah, man, great value, great value. Um, yeah, so uh, let's just talk really quickly about the Colts. T.Y. Hilton, complete non-factor. I mean, this is obviously all quarterback-related. Complete bust, yeah. you'd have to say. Frank Gore, 130 yards. I mean, come on. Are you kidding me? The ages got 36 carries. was more impressed to me. The guy's... 34, and he's getting hit 36 times by an NFL linebacker. Uh, the guy is just eight. That that was the definition of an ageless performance. When you can at old in that type of weather and just be fed 36 times, come on. I love it. I Ma- absolutely respect that more than anything. McCoy and Gore combined 68 carries in that game. Insane. Yeah, the, the teams were – I remember the first, like, 20 plays. I don't think the Colts attempted to pass. It was – Frank Gore had like 22 carries at halftime. It was insane what they were doing. Yeah, and well, it, I mean, you're in the snow. You're you got Jacoby Brissett. No offense. Yeah. I mean, I actually don't think he's terrible, but I mean, I you know I don't think he's that great. Not special though. Yeah. No, I mean, he's a he's a I, I, he's not the guy I'd want starting. Um, no. All right, let's. We're getting near the end of these games. Let's talk about the Broncos beating the Jets 23 to nothing. What yeah, a, you, what a humiliating thing to have happen to you. Right, and I, I'm glad you brought that one up because. Obviously, the Jets are a complete new look after this week with McCowan gone. 
Um, yeah, like you said, getting destroyed by the previously hapless Broncos. Couldn't beat anybody. I forget what you called them last week in the rundown, but it was like the pussy-ass bitch. Yeah, that sounds like something I would say. <laughs> and they just come out and pull this win out of their ass. Uh you, looking forward, you know, Robbie Anderson, our guy, Jermaine Curse, a popular pickup and somebody who'd been exploding. I don't think he can start these guys moving forward. No, regardless no, no. Bryce Petty? Are you kidding Bryce me? Bryce Petty? Yeah, there's no way he's pushing the ball downfield and, and getting Robbie Anderson. I don't know if you saw Josh McCown's postgame uh, or today, his press conference. It was it was moving. Like, I obviously I didn't cry. I like McCown. I like him, and he was so you know bent up about being out. He's so fired up about being the Jets' quarterback, and just had team giving him another chance, and him having a solid year, and having to have it end like this. He was the way he was hurt was just like it was painful to watch. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but yeah, I have. I mean, it made it made me think what I suspected, which is that he's a guy that you. I mean, do you know he's thirty eight? Yeah, crazy, right? I thought he was younger than that. And did you? Yeah, he's been around. I, I, did. I mean, I know he'd been around. I remember he was like a backup on the like Bears, I think, and stuff. I mean, I, don't know. I, feel, like, I feel like he's been around for a while. But 38, um, who knows how many more chances a guy like that is going to get, you know? Right. But, I mean, it made me think, like, this is a this is a, a quality guy, a good football player, quality guy, a guy that you'd be lucky to have on your team, whether he's a starter or a backup and I felt for the guy too. And I mean, it, it's hard for me to feel too sorry for anybody on the Jets because I just think they're such lousy sacks of shit. But still, <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. It was tough to see, and obviously, any type of fantasy relevance is all gone from the Jets. Don't be playing anybody from that team uh, moving forward. The running backs will get a lot of work, but who knows if it will mean anything? Another guy that just has been lighting the world on fire. This is one of our predictions. You know, I, we didn't nail everything, but one that we were pretty early on. Uh, we saw a tweet me and CJ did during a, a pregame show with Alex Collins. You know, Ian Rappaport said, this guy's going to get some work. We watched the game. Uh, we, we tweeted out he's only 3% owned right now. He's going to get a featured look worth a speculative stash. So a lot of people ended up getting him that are RSJ followers. Looked pretty good that first game, but didn't get a ton of volume. They're like, look at his feet. Look at this guy. He's a special talent. I'm telling you, and the work is there. He's going to explode. And it still took another two to three weeks, but every week we're getting, do I drop Collins yet? Do I drop Collins yet? And I just kept saying, this guy looks like a special talent. I even said something ludicrous, like this guy could be the, the 2017 Jay Ajayi. Remember that on the podcast? I don't even remember. But, I do. Uh, we had a mailbag question about him, and I said, you got to hold him. I really think he could be this year's Ajayi. And it turned out he actually, I mean, that's a pretty spot-on comparison. He's had over 18 and three straight. I mean, he's found the end zone five times in the last three or four weeks. I, I wonder where he goes moving forward. Let's say the situation is the same exact, you know, Danny Woodhead's the passing guy. He's the clear early down guy next year. Where would you take Alex Collins in drafts? Uh, it's so hard for me to say without seeing all the stuff in front of me. But, I mean, to me, he looks like a top 10 running back. He does, right? The talent is there. I, I posted the poll on Twitter, like where does he go next year, round two, round three, round four, or later? Round three has been the most popular answer, but well, to that, me, he would be going right around that, like Le'Veon Bell is your first. Then you take you know, Mike Evans, Alex Collins, round two, three turns, something like that. I, I really like what he's doing. I, I think – even more so than Ajayi last year. This guy's just like, his feet are fast. He reads the blocks really well. He just slashes up the field. I hope he does get a legitimate shot next year. I know they had like Terrence West get hurt and like Buck Allen still kind of lingering, but those guys are mm-hmm. just shitty fucking plotters. Collins is an exciting guy, and I love that they're feeding him. I love that he's responding. And I'll tell you what, we were having this debate at the bar the other night, like who scares me the most in the AFC? It would be the Ravens. Like if I'm talking about playoff matchups, I know the Steelers. Like they're they're shooting the ball all over the place, but they always fucking choke. Big Ben will choke in Gillette, uh, unless it's if it's at Pittsburgh. That's a different story. This game's this an interesting game coming up. It's going to be an awesome one coming up, Week 15. Uh, we can't get ahead of ourselves. We have a, a big Monday night game. We're about to sign off for. But Baltimore, in terms of the playoffs, like Flacco's one of those guys that you can just come into Gillette, and he's just such a shit bum all year. And the playoffs come on, and he just plays his balls off. And the way Collins is running the ball, the way that defense plays, the Ravens have me pretty damn nervous. I'll tell you, I hear that. Let me tell you a team, uh, kind of outside team, that might worry me if I were a Patriots fan a little bit. Mm-hmm. Chargers. The Chargers, okay. They're I mean, I'm not. I'm turn. not saying I think you would lose to the Chargers. I'm just saying they got the weapons to score their asses off, 
And their line is nasty, nasty, nasty. Like their D line, like, you mean? Yes, yeah. yes. In terms D-line. of getting the passer, I mean, yeah. I that's mean, the your, your guy's gonna get hit. That's like, that's the formula, right? Hit Brady and and keep up with him in terms of points. The Chargers are built to do that. I just uh, I, I have a hard time. Old. I have a hard time imagining they would beat the Patriots, but I I I, I would them, fear them. You know? I mean, the Steelers, the Chargers, the Ravens, maybe outside chance. The Jags with that defense. I mean, you know, it's like, can I see the Jags beating the Patriots? No, but I mean, but I mean, like, could I see it being like a 14-10 game maybe or a 14-9 game? Maybe. Yeah, the corners are legit. But the thing with like the Jags is there'd be one weakness that a lot of teams miss that Belichick and McDaniels would find. And like, you think Bortles maybe might be that weakness? Well, of course that. That's that's the one secret weakness of the Jags. Right. I mean, their defense though, like it seems impenetrable, and there's got to be like some matchup. It'd be like Deion Lewis in the slot or something crazy that they they would just know the exact mismatch to exploit. Danny Amendola would have like 200 yards or something. Crazy. I mean, Russell they, Wilson threw three touchdowns against him. So he I mean, did, I mean, right? And they, I mean, they all came in like the fourth quarter, though. It was looking like Russell, I remember we had Derek on, and it was we had that question: Do you bench Russell Wilson for your playoffs? And we were all like, Hell no! You don't bench your number one quarterback. And for like three quarters, he had like two points. I was like, Shit. Well, I mean, <laughs> look, he got picked off three times, but I think at the end of the day, I think Wilson had like twenty six PPR points. Which, yeah, which I feel PPR doesn't really matter for quarterbacks, but well, right, right, right. Um, but I, well, anyway, I uh, had like twenty six points. Anyway, yes, we uh, I feel like we nailed that one. Um, yeah. Green Bay, Cleveland. Here's a question I got for you. Uh, yeah. In the aftermath of this game, it looks like Aaron Rodgers is going to be back next week. So Devonte Adams, in the absence of Aaron Rodgers, has really established himself as the wide receiver one on the Packers. Like no question yeah. about it, no, no argument, doubt. nothing. Jordy Nelson has disappeared. Yep. How do you see this? shaking out next week, the week after that. I'm really interested to know your thoughts on this. Great question. Yeah, I hadn't even been thinking of that one. And I think it actually just the, the pendulum shifts right back to Jordy Nelson. It's you're, you're thinking about Aaron Rodgers, and that's his boy. They played together for eight, nine, ten years, whatever it is. And the, the chemistry those two have, it was full on display all year until he got hurt. There's just – Jordy Nelson and him, they're they're on a whole different level in terms of knowing where the other guy's going to be, knowing when it's a broken play, like where Jordy's going to be deep down the field. Nobody matches that type of chemistry in the NFL right now. Uh, So I I just think it would be back to the normal. It would be Jordy at the top of the totem pole. I do love the way Adams has separated himself. I think his game, you know, with Jordy, his game's so much about – Aaron Rodgers knows exactly where to put the ball when he's in tight coverage. He knows Jordy can go up and get it at this exact spot. And Brett Hundley's just not that type of quarterback. He doesn't have that type of trust or that type of arm to put it right exactly where he needs to get it. That's what Jordy is so valuable for a guy like Aaron Rodgers, but so disvaluable for a guy like Brett Hundley. When he's got the number one corner on him, he's not really shaking free too often, even when he has Rodgers, other than you know chemistry, a broken play type of thing. Adams is more the guy that can like shake through coverage get like more wide open and I think that's why Hundley's really locked in on him because he's he's just quicker out of his breaks and is more open consistently and he's been making tons of plays after catches breaking tackles and ripping them afterwards so I think Adams is proving what a great talent he is but even then it, it doesn't matter Jordy is still Rogers guy I think both of them would obviously be great. Like Adams was doing well even with Rodgers uh, there. I think Randall Cobb even gets back into life. He's actually been dropped in a lot of leagues, 50% owned right now. So Cobb, if you're in the playoffs, worthwhile pick. They have a tough schedule moving down here, the the road. But it's, it's Aaron Rodgers, it's the Packers. I think the pendulum shifts back to Jordy. Adams takes the second fiddle, and then Cobb still will get peppered with some targets too. I think given what's happened over the past, geez, man, it's been 10 weeks or something like that since Rodgers got hurt, I think it is easy for people to forget the numbers that Jordy Nelson was putting up with Aaron Rodgers, which, by, be the, one which receiver, by yeah. the way, were the numbers that he puts up every year with Aaron Rodgers. Exactly. Um, I can tell you because I had him in the RSJ League, and pretty much when he went down is coincidentally right around the time my team started being <laughs> terrible because yep. I went from having a guy that was like guaranteed 20-plus points a game to a guy that scored me like four points a game, and that yep. never changed. And 
But the guy just, he finds the end zone. You know, it's be does. like, oh, he only had three balls. Oh, but he caught two touchdowns. I mean, that's just how Jordy Nelson is. So anyway, thanks for answering that. I'm interested to know. You expect Josh Gordon to continue to blow up as, uh, you know, the next couple of weeks go on. They have a bad schedule. I mean. It's the, a brutal schedule. That's what makes me nervous. So uh, I guess more of my question would be, do you, do you think Josh Gordon's back? As opposed to like, do you think Josh Gordon is going to have a huge game next week and the week after? Where are you drafting Josh Gordon next year? Yeah, I mean, obviously, a lot of that depends on who's the quarterback and and what's Josh. Is, has Josh Gordon kept his nose clean? And let's and say the quarterback is like Sam Darnold. You know, if he's he got the nice, nice new young upstart QB that can deliver the mail, I wouldn't hesitate to take Josh Gordon anywhere around that same range we've been talking about with Mike Evans and Alex Collins. That like early third, maybe even higher if he's developing. This it's so hard to speculate. This is going to be so fun. The markets. I know, but oh yeah, I, I love these type of questions. He gets Baltimore this week, but they also did lose Jimmy Smith, and we saw. Ben, ben Roethlisberger go for 500 against him without Jimmy Smith. So without their top corner, they certainly can give up some yardage. Then Chicago the week after, who's not incredible. I thought the schedule was real hard for Kaiser, but now looking ahead, it's really not that bad. So, you know what? I don't, I'm not benching Josh Gordon right now. No, and Kaiser you can't becomes, bench him. He's too good. You know, I was talking about Flacco being an interesting Wentz replacement. I don't think the schedule's all that threatening, at least if Jimmy Smith remains out for Baltimore. Yeah, but I don't As think I, Kaiser is all that good. <laughs> no, mean, Kaiser's horrendous. He's like a pretty bad quarterback. He is. He is. I'm talking, this is like the kind of the opposite of the Jimmy Garoppolo, where he looks amazing on the, like, real life-wise, but fantasy-wise might not bring a ton of upside. Kaiser could look horrible real life, but he'll run for 50 yards, maybe even sneak one in. He'll chuck two to Gordon and Coleman while throwing three interceptions. But at the end of the day, it ends up being 19, 20 fantasy points. So I, as a streamer for a Wentz replacement, maybe Kaiser's got a little more luster than I gave him uh, credit for originally. And yeah, I, I, Gordon definitely intrigues me for next year. I, I'd see myself taking a plunge if I was estimating right now, probably early third. Last question on the deep dive that we're going into here. How much should you trust Matt Ryan if he is a fantasy option for you at quarterback? Like, let's say, let's say that, let's say you had Carson Wentz and he's out and maybe you have Matt Ryan as your backup. How good mm. do you feel about that? Oh God. I mean, t- he gets Tampa Bay this week. So I feel okay this week. I do. I, I think that's a pretty good streamable, you know, we call Matt Ryan a streamer now, but against Tampa Bay, he'll be a top 10 quarterback this week. I don't hate that matchup. They're pathetic. We've talked about how they've given up and have no corners. He'll be fine this week. But then if I, I make it past to week 16 and it's at New Orleans, who we just saw him shit his pants against and he was at home. Now he's in New Orleans I, I don't. I would not want him at all as my quarterback. In fact, if uh, if I could have Bortles, I would much rather. I'd rather play Bortles this week and next week for for, for comparison's sake. I'd probably even let's say Foles lights up the Giants and is rolling with confidence, and he goes into Oakland. I'd probably rather play Nick Foles than Matt Ryan at my fantasy championship, which is insane that I would even think something that, like that. But that would have been a bold prediction in Week One. <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah, Nick yeah. Foles is a better viable, more we viable could, Week Sixteen option than if you yeah, had Matt said Ryan. that, we could retire like next year. Right. Like we, yeah. Next podcast we put out would get like 10 million downloads. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, that's the deep dive into the week 14 rundown. Uh, good job, Wolf. That was nice. Oh, great stuff as always. I love I love the way we formatted this Monday one. It, it's been solid. I think this is going to be a great way to do it moving forward. Oh, yeah. Only getting better. Uh, we're going to wrap things up there. You want to pump the social media real quick? Of course. Uh, you can follow me personally at Roto Street Wolf. On Twitter and Snapchat, you can follow the site pages, Roto ST Journal, uh, on Snapchat and Twitter, and then Roto Street Journal on Facebook and Instagram. We're constantly pumping out some new stuff. we got a new guy running our Instagram stories. So if you're on IG, be checking those out. We're trying to pump out new voting and different things like that. Just experimenting and trust, t- testing it out. I know this offseason, Truth, one of, one of my goals for you is to get you more established on your Twitter and Snapchat and different things. Because I want to say, like, you, we need the company dad to really start 
start representing his dadness. So, like, if a Snapchat of Don, like Dante just throwing his shit everywhere, or whatever, like he is, out, funny, he is out of control right now. By the way, it'd be hilarious. To, like, you know, what what fantasy player is Dante acting like right now? You know, shit like that. The truth that's that's going to be one of my big off season goals is to see the truth become. I'll tell you who he's acting like right now. Right now, he's acting like that guy on the Seahawks, Quentin Jefferson, that almost went up into the stands <laughs> against Jacksonville. I mean, imagine he, if you were a fan and that guy was like starting to climb into the stands. I know, like, like the fans were like yelling at him. I was like, they are one hundred percent banking on security intervening, right? Exactly, because it's like, yeah, you can run your mouth and stuff, but if that, <laughs> I mean, that's not like a regular dude. Like, no, if that's he gets not up, like if I went and like was chirping to you on the street and I was like, yeah, yeah, we can throw down and like you know, it'll be interesting to see where this goes. That's right. like, I mean, he's not like a regular guy. Like he can no. like rip your arms out of your sockets or something, just uh, like and then beat, and beat you with you your with own arms, right? Right. <laughs> we literally have the same exact thought: beat you with right. your own yeah. arms. Right. That's yeah. why we work so well together. But exactly. anyway, that, that's who Dante, my son, is the most like right now. That he's completely out of control. Like he's not. He's <laughs> not scared to hit. He has tantrums all the time. He throws stuff. Oh, jeez, uh, so anyway. dad life, man. You're making oh, it, it sound fun. I can't wait. <laughs> he's he's the greatest thing in the world, and it has been a really rough stretch recently. Damn. Uh, so anyway, yeah, you want to get me more established on social media, uh, bring it on. I'm, I'm open-minded to it. Make me feel young and hip. There you go. Love yeah. it. Uh, the kids all say hip nowadays, right? Of course, yeah. Well, they listen to TikTok. That's, uh, they say, this is so hip, guys. Yeah, this, this song, this track, TikTok, this, this is the <laughs> hippest track I've heard this year. Oh, um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, uh, it's been a good show. Uh, thanks absolutely. for tuning in, guys. My name's Nat The Truth Jones. And I'm The Wolf. Best of luck. Week 15. Get those championships, baby. See you later. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go. But at least we stole the show 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 Straight ahead Devlin, second effort, third effort Touchdown, That's old-fashioned football right there, folks.